The Education Channel supports individual educational goals and encourages creativity for all. Visit uctv.tv slash education. Dr. Brady is recognized as a cutting-edge leader in educational transformation. Currently, she is working as the superintendent of National School District, um, but her favorite time is spent visiting classrooms and witnessing innovative education in action. She has served as an assistant superintendent of educational services, a principal of a K-6 elementary school in various support and coaching roles, as well as a successful classroom teacher. Dr. Brady earned her um, doctorate in educational leadership from San Diego State University with both her BS and MA degrees from the University of Connecticut. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Brady. Good morning, everybody, and I'm just so excited to be back with you uh, learning today. So that bio was great, but I really consider myself first and foremost a learner. And so I was really happy to be here yesterday morning to be able to share the space with you to hear about why you're here uh, and to learn more about the human rights education. And today we're going to be focusing really on what does that mean when you look at implementing those with students through the human rights education using the sustainable development goals. And so, um, like Rebecca said, I am a superintendent um, here in San Diego. And throughout the presentation, if anything resonates with you, I want to invite you to reach out to me um, if you want to establish any sort of partnership. Um, I would love for my students to be able to partner with your students. And I know there are many elementary educators in the room. Raise your hand if you have, if you're an elementary educator. All right, awesome. And then, of course, my, I had a wonderful team during our Ripples of Hope uh, that were high school. How about our high school educators? Anybody uh, currently um, a student at the, at the university level, like studying to be a teacher? Okay, or continuing your learning. So wonderful. So all of this can interrelate. And you can see, hopefully, you'll be able to see some of those connections throughout uh, the presentation. So I get an hour. And I love to talk, so I might check my notes every once in a while to make sure that I like hit all the points I want to tell you about. But I could talk about this for hours, for days, because it is so exciting and something that I'm very, very passionate about. So I'm going to dig in. First, I'm going to tell you a little bit about National School District. So we are located here in South County, San Diego, just five miles down t- from downtown. You jump on the trolley right over here. You go a couple uh, stops down, and you're in National City, and you can, you can get off the trolley. We have 10 square miles um, if you count the estuary. So it's probably really about uh, eight or nine drivable miles within um, National City. Uh, we're a coastal city. Uh, so our students, um, we do have water right up against um, our neighborhoods, but we don't have any beach. Uh, we're part of the Port of San Diego, and so uh, you probably know us for the Mile of Cars. A lot of, uh, right? How many of you heard of the Mile of Cars? Uh, we actually import, uh, I think, three out of every ten cars that come in west of the Mississippi come in through National City each year. So it's a really active port, uh, but there's also a lot of uh, industrial areas which can affect our environment. So that's what makes some of the things I'm going to be sharing with you um, extra important. We have, like I mentioned, 10 schools from preschool through sixth grade, and then our students matriculate into the Sweetwater Union School District. We serve about 4,200 students in that 10 square miles. 
Um, unfortunately, our enrollment is dropping, like many of our schools across San Diego, because of the cost of living. Just being able to live in San Diego is very, very expensive. So unfortunately, uh, we heard yesterday um, somebody was talking about the Mayans and how uh, their ancestors built the Mayans and they can't even travel to go and see them, right? Uh, our students, um, their, their whole families, their traditions are in National City, yet they are getting priced out of the market and can't even afford to live in the areas that their families have generationally lived in. Uh, we, 88% of our students are considered unduplicated or underserved, and 54% of our students are English learners. We serve about 85% of our students are uh, Hispanic or Mexican, and about 10% of our students are Filipino. And then the rest of the 5% are other. So when we look at the needs in National City, we wanted to really start looking about how our students can um, be active participants in preserving their future and to make sustainable actions now um, themselves that will empower them in their own community. And yesterday you heard a lot about the human rights education and the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals really connect um, and overlay the action part of achieving some of those uh, tenants um, for the human rights standards. The Sustainable Development Goals are also directly aligned with our national school district vision, which is exceptionally prepared learners, innovative and compassionate world citizens. So what better way to uh, become a world citizen than to work on the goals of the world, right? And to, and to firsthand, hands-on, not just learn about it, but actually that through part that we were talking about yesterday. And so um, how many of you are familiar or have been using the Sustainable Development Goals in any of your lessons? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you, some of you are actually leading, we have our partners from Tijuana here in the audience, and they're actually leading this work on a campus just south of our border that we can partner with internationally and have binational lessons for our students right here in our own community because we are not just a border um, you know, to downtown San Diego, but we're a border to Mexico as well. And so we're, I'm very excited that you're here uh, and looking forward to potentially sparking some partnerships as well there. What I didn't, I forgot to tell you in my uh, intro about the district is that National School District is the second oldest school district in San Diego County, just behind San Diego Unified. We celebrated our 150th sesquicentennial anniversary just last year. And in that time, I'm the first woman superintendent to ever lead in National School District. So how's that for gender equality? <laughs> gender equality is still something that we need to fight for. Protecting our oceans is something we still need to fight for. Protecting life on land, having clean water access, uh, drinking water, sustainable energy. These are all things that um, we not only need to fight for, but we need to teach our students about so that they can be the voice of their future. And so I'm gonna share with you some programs of how our students have been leading uh, sustainable development in the National School District. And I want to start with the first one called, uh, the first program called Ocean Connectors. So Ocean Connectors was founded in 2008, um, and it was, um, it's intended to protect our uh, coastal waterways in National City. Um, 
you'll see in the middle that I put the icon for life below water for the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals because it really centers around um, the blue technologies and protecting the oceans from trash. More so, it, we, the Ocean Connectors program uh, teaches students about the different um, ocean migrations of um, whales, uh, bird, coastal birds, butterflies that are really important to the ecosystem, right? If we, our whales, the United Nations have protected the whales um, across, the, across the world because um, the whales are so integral in breaking down some of the food and some of the biodiversity um, that will then lead to more oxygen and fresh air and a cleaner, cleaner climate. And so our students need to learn all of these things, and they do this through um, this program called Ocean Connectors. I also put the icons up there for quality education because um, this is not just a field trip. It's something that they learn about in their classroom, and then they take their knowledge outside into the community, and they, they uh, give back to the National City uh, Coastal Community by, uh, you can see here, um, doing research and action projects. Of course, it helps our climate action. You'll see that icon. Life on land, because the life on land next to the ocean affects the ocean when trash gets into the ocean. And then uh, partnerships for the global goals is that last icon you see uh, all the way over to the right. This is a little video that I want to share about Ocean Connectors that will kind of set the context so you can uh, see a little bit about why it was started and what the students do. And then I'll go a little bit deeper into what the students do. Ocean Connectors was created to address environmental and educational issues in underserved communities of San Diego County and Mexico. For the last decade, we've taken students whale watching, to sea turtle research sites, to perform habitat restoration, and to local aquariums and wildlife reserves. I started Ocean Connectors because I realized that local school children don't always have the access to explore their coastal environment the way that I did when I was growing up. But I was fresh out of college and I wasn't sure exactly what my role would be in this field. And then I discovered environmental education. And I began to realize the powerful impact that education can have on shaping future residents of coastal communities so that they can learn to protect, respect, and care for the coastal environment. I think Ocean Connectors changed me a lot when they showed us videos and really sad pictures about birds and whales and sea turtles dying because of the trash that they ate. I was just like, I need to help out, I need to help Ocean Connectors make the world a better place. My favorite part about working with Ocean Connectors is the difference that we're making in the lives of our students. Just getting to see the impact we're having, the changes in lifestyle, it's, it's incredible. When you see them get excited about something that I'm excited about, like seeing a sea turtle or holding a shark egg or touching a stingray and, you know, freaking out because it's slimy. <laughs> Just them experiencing new things and getting excited about it is really what makes it all worth it at the end of the day. Our mission is and always will be to educate, inspire, and connect underserved youth in Pacific coastal communities through the study of migratory marine life. We've seen progress in our vision of creating a future generation of passionate, globally aware, and empowered coastal residents who take active steps to enjoy and protect ocean health. We hope to see even more progress as Ocean Connectors continues to grow. 
It's really amazing to see the overwhelming support for our programs, and it is so evident the impact we're having on the next generation. Ocean Connectors wouldn't be possible without support from so many different partners. Our volunteers, our growing staff, our advisory board, our teachers, and so many funders, both locally and internationally, come together to help make Ocean Connectors possible and to help us reach this incredible milestone of celebrating a decade of marine science education. And of course, I always want to clap at the end of all of these because I'm so proud of the work that's being done. This is a few years old, um, but what happened is this, the teachers that were participating in this program began to come to our LCAP meetings. If you are not familiar with the local control accountability plan in your school district, you should become informed, find out when the meetings are for the stakeholder groups, and show up as teachers. And let your district know these are the kinds of experiences that we want for our students. Now remember I started before I showed the video and I said this is not a field trip. Uh, yes, they get to go on a trip, but it's a work trip. It's actually going out into the community to do work. But this is something that is a program that we start as early as TK. So TK kindergarten students, they learn about trash and the uh, waterways and how the trash can get into the oceans. They learn about stewardship and conservation and pollution. When they get to first grade, they start learning about um, kelp, right? And then that conservation, the agriculture, I mean, yeah, the agriculture and the consumption. In second grade, they start to see how fresh water comes down from the mountains to the sea. And in San Diego um, and in Southern California, that's a very unique thing that the mountains actually meet the sea and where the fresh water runs out through our very own estuary in National City. Then they get out into the creek in third grade and they start to see uh, how the creek filters out the trash before it gets into the ocean. They start talking about things like um, bioswales, and then they look at the migration of the monarch butterflies. And you saw that the migratory animals is a theme that goes from year to year across the grade levels. In fourth grade, it's the sea turtle discovery, and you heard about the girl who said, wow, I'm not... I'm thinking differently about my own trash, and I have to do something to help this uh, because of the impact that it was having on the sea turtles. And then we talked a little bit earlier about the whale exploration and caring for the ocean environment. And then in sixth grade, they learn about the bird habitats, and then they go back and they plant uh, plants um, to restore and to protect the habitat for the birds. And again, all of this is to protect the coastal waters in their very own community. So another program that's similar to this is Olivewood Gardens, another partner in National City. So this house that you're looking at is situated um, in the center of National City. It's the Olivewood Gardens house. It used to belong to the Walton family, the one that owns Walmart. Um, it's about seven to eight acres, and they decided to turn it uh, in 2008 into learning gardens for students. And again, through our local control and accountability plan, teachers who were going there on field trips said, we need to, this needs to be available to all students in National City. And we started to develop this program. And in the last seven years that I've been superintendent, um, we have grown from um, having just a few classes go on field trips to having a systemic program embedded throughout the entire district. 
Uh, you can see the icons here for the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, although I could add so many more to all of these slides because they really are interconnected. But probably the ones that this program touches on the most are life above land, quality education, sustainable cities, and partnerships for the global goals. And when the students actually come to Olivewood Gardens, they get the full experience. They don't just come once, they come multiple times. The first time where they learn about planting in seeds and preparing the soil, nurturing the seeds, uh, how you have to water and grow. And, and um, then they come back and they have to do everything from um, measuring and harvesting. There's a full commercial kitchen inside the house. Students actually harvest their own vegetables. They bring them into the kitchen. They learn about healthy nutrition and then they cook with foods that they probably have never even tried before. Um, and if all of a sudden everybody loves beets or everybody loves leeks or things kale that they've never tried. They make pizzas with kale and such. Um, there are programs for the families as well. We have a cook. If you look up Olivewood Gardens, you'll probably run into a 30-minute um, PBS special on cooking for salud, where they train kitchenistas, which are parents, um, to look at their traditional Mexican and Filipino recipes and see how they can make them healthier and more nutritious. How could they can replace the lard for something more healthy. And then um, once they graduate from the Kitchenistas Cooking for Salud program, they have to go back into the school system and teach the other parents in the school district about what they learned in their kitchenistas. They become um, those human rights defenders, right, in their own community. And then the students are doing these uh, activities at school, the parents are doing these activities in the community or in their PTAs, and then they're going home and they're talking about these. And these um, intergenerational conversations begin to make systemic change within um, the school district and in the, and in the city of National City. Uh, so again, I, I was mentioning it's not just a field trip. We really want to make sure that these are not one and done, that these are things that build over time. These are things that students have repeated engagement, deep engagement, so they can truly learn um, about what it means to protect life on land. And so um, over the last seven years, we have been building school gardens at every single one of our sites. So now I'm happy to say all of our schools have thriving gardens, but if you're like me, I, I do not have a green thumb. I'm a kind of a convert to all of this. I've learned from the students, and now I know I need to do better. Um, but we, we don't want people to say, well, I, you know, everything I plant dies, so I'm not going to be engaged in the garden. Because if nobody was engaged in the garden, we wouldn't know where the expertise lied. So we want the teachers to feel confident and comfortable and to be able to see it as a resource. So we partnered, again, with Olivewood Gardens, and we said, we want you not only to support our students coming to you, but we want you to bring your experts to us. And we want you to train those kitchenistas to know how to use the garden to then harvest vegetables that then will end up um, for our students to eat. And so they come in and they work side by side with our teachers and they model lessons for the, for the teachers so that the teachers can start to learn how to use the garden in their science curriculum, in um, maybe a, something with a history lesson. And so you can see that um, here are the students out. The teacher doesn't go do planning during this time. The teacher is side by side with the expert because maybe one day we won't have that partnership 
but we'll have expertise of our teachers that have been learning alongside of these experts for many, many years. And again, we build it from TKK all the way up through sixth grade. So when you're in TKK, you're just talking about what do things need to grow? You need sunshine and you need water. And I actually had, um, I won't say who, but somebody said, um, I don't understand why you have to have these school gardens. Can't kids just like read about the fact that plants need water, they need sun? Why do you need um, to have this? And, and that is the mentality that we're fighting against. When we talk about human rights education, we're talking about it's not about reading something in a book. It's about getting your hands dirty, getting outside, and really feeling like you are making that impact. And that's what we're trying to do with our students. So they learn about what does a living thing need to grow. We actually leave some of our plants to go to seed. So they'll be growing, they'll be thriving, and then they reach the end of their, like the cilantro will always end up reaching the end of its life cycle, right? It grows really tall, the flowers come out, and you have to leave it there so it can develop seeds. You can harvest the seeds and then use that to plant again. And inevitably, I will get from one of my board members, sorry, I know it's being recorded. <laughs> um, the, I got a comment from some families that the gardens aren't so pretty. And then we have to go back again, and I get students now. And now I don't hear those comments as much anymore uh, because we've been doing it for several years. But uh, the students will then have to advocate to say, it's supposed to look like that because it's drying out and it's going to seed. Uh, and then it grows again. You know, what are the parts of the plants? Then we get into uh, biodiversity and um, how do uh, organisms grow and adapt and change, and then the interdependence on each other, and then the structures. And so the kids become experts over the years. And again, um, they're making a, a part two of their PBS special. Uh, interestingly, you'll learn from that, the National City is considered a food desert. We do not even have a mainstream supermarket in National City. So you will not find a Vons, you will not find an Albertsons, you will not find a Ralph's. Uh, you will find some local markets like uh, Vallarta's or Carnival, but you will not find um, a lot of green spaces. There's only four parks in the city, um, but there's a lot of, it's very industrial. There's uh, a lot of fast food, and this is a, a great need for our students to learn where their food comes from. Uh, when you can see at this top picture, they grow this food for the program to show the students, but they're also growing it for the community. So any food that's left over that's not being used in the programming ends up weekly if it's ready to be harvested on uh, produce stands that the community can come and they can share in. Uh, some of it is brought to the schools for those Kitchenistas presentations that I told you about, and some of it is actually grown to be put on our um, Salad bars. We have organic salad bars at each of our schools. And the students, we actually label it from Olive Wood Gardens that the students say, I grew that, those snap peas. I grew those cherry tomatoes. And you can imagine how many they eat. Those are always the things that come off the salad bar because they were part of growing that food for their own consumption. I'm moving fast because I'm watching the timer, and I, I really, like I said, I could talk about this forever. One, another program I want to share with you is our animation program. Uh, you've heard me talk a little bit about things for my high school folks in the room, of uh, the CTE pathways, right? We talked about um, the agricultural pathway or the natural resource pathway. This one touches on the arts and entertainment pathway. When we talk about viable uh, work, in the future, our students need to have 
access and opportunity to try out different professions to see where their talents lie, where their passions lie, and what they might want to do, and what's available to them in their own local community instead of growing up, graduating, going to college somewhere, and then staying in another community and giving their expertise to another community. We want them to come back, live in National City, and to have a, be able to have a gainful employment job that then can contribute to the economy of National City. And so this year we implemented a program. It's called Heroes of Color. You can see the global goals icons here on the side. The top is reducing inequalities. This was designed by a man from the Dominican Republic, David Heredia, um, who uh, believed that, you know, he wants to promote um, the idea that Latinos come in all different colors because when he was uh, growing up, he said the only books he saw about Latinos were uh, light-skinned Latinos, and he is a darker-skinned um, Latino, and he wanted, like all of our shades of color in the United States, he said around the world, people come in all different shades, and he wanted to promote that. Um, he also wanted to reduce uh, the, the ability to access if you didn't come from a community um, that you had access to uh, post-secondary education, you may not ever have the ability to learn about something like film, like you're learning about here, or animations. And then the final thing he said is, um, instead of asking students what they want to be when they grow up, we should start asking them what problems do they want to solve? And so you heard about this human right defenders, and he said, I'm going to start a program called Heroes of Color. I'm going to reach out to communities of color, and I'm going to teach them about animation, but they're going to work to create an animated um, film that then will solve a problem. And so you can see peace, justice, and strong institutions there is the second icon. Of course, quality education in that um, economic prosperity um, for gainful employment after High school. So I'm going to start uh, just by sharing you some coverage that we got on CNN for our program, and then I'll fill in the blanks of what's not shared in the video. Christian Lopez is just one of the more than 500 fifth grade students tackling these issues at the National School District just outside of San Diego. The students choose a topic. Yeah, I did like world hunger. I feel bad. I really feel bad about because they don't have the life I have. We can donate to help them get food and fresh water. And then use animation. Do you think guns should be allowed? Well, I don't. To explain their thoughts. Immigration is a problem for everyone. They separate individuals from another. That's a form of injustice. They got to feel like celebrities as they share their animations with the world. It allows us to actually stop and listen to what's going on in the world of a child and have them offer a potential solution to that problem. So again, it wasn't just a one-and-done um, project. It was a five-week course. The students started with the research, the storyboarding, identifying a problem. Once they identified a problem, they had to brainstorm a potential solution. And then after they brainstormed their solution, they had to say, why is this solution going to make the world a better place? So when we look at the programs, these are not just programs that take away from uh, what you're doing in the classroom. These are things that enhance your science. They enhance your history. They enhance your language arts. And so our teachers were able to do a lot of that back work. Then when the animators came in, they were able to uh, really refine their project. And then they learned about the animation and they were able to produce. And this was our first year. Uh, but next year, we're already in um, talks with uh, 
David Heredia and his team, and we're going to make it a fifth and sixth grade. And then the next year, probably fourth, fifth, and sixth, and so on until I can stand on the stage in a few years and say, this is TK through sixth grade. Again, repeated engagement is what makes the students be able to do this and have it come from within them. I could tell you so many more things. Like I want to tell you about our recycling program. Uh, when I started as superintendent, we had recycle bins and the custodians would come around in my office and they would commingle all the trash, right? And then they would throw it. And then I would have this meeting with the teachers and they were up in arms and can't you fix this? So we put the students in charge and the students created a recycling program. They actually came into my office to audit my trash one time. And <laughs> True story. And they had their gloves and their vests, and they reached in my recycle trash, and they took out a tissue, and they said, Dr. Brady, used tissues go in the trash. Now, though, now we can actually re uh, recycle some of our, with our organic compost, they can go in the compost piece. Uh, they, in the lunchroom, they sort their trash, everything from their cardboard trays to their plastic-free spork packet, no straws, so we don't have to worry about that, and their organic waste. We have composting, we have share tables, all of these things that have been initiated and implemented by kids over time. I think one of the things I mentioned earlier that I'm a convert, when I was a principal, I had some zealous people come in and say, we should uh, come in and collect all batteries, and then we'll recycle the batteries. And I said, wait a minute, you're going to collect all the batteries, and then where are you going to put them in the library? And then we're going to have some sort of toxic waste in our library. No, you can't do that. And I kept saying, no, 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 until they said that I was not a green super, I mean, green principal. It was too fast, and I couldn't see the student involvement. So I told a couple of those uh, very um, passionate people, if the students lead it, I'll say yes. And that kind of started my journey on seeing the power of students. If you get your students to write letters to your principal, I guarantee your principal is going to have a hard time saying no. Right? Um, have your students talk to school site council to invest some money. Show up at the LCAP and bring a family and bring a student with them. Let the student's voice be heard. It doesn't matter how old they are. I'm going to tell you about a group of incredible students that I have, sixth grade superintendent roundtable. Every year I ask my sixth grade teachers, it started with one per school, now it's one per sixth grade class, uh, and they always say, can I send two students? I have two students I want to send. Anybody who wants to participate, um, I have them come out and join me. You can see all the different global goals and the sustainable development goals that we work on. This is a picture of my sixth graders presenting um, to the National City Chamber of Commerce, small businesses, about the global goals and how they can be more sustainable in their own um, companies. And so I'm going to share just a couple of the projects, and then I'm going to share our signature project from this year. We do a signature project each year um, as well. So. Uh, one of our projects that we did was reducing inequalities. So we, pit, we look at the global goals and we say, what's something we want to focus on? And they focused uh, one year on the reducing inequalities. And we decided we were going to create a fair, a box, uh, of simulations of all the different disabilities for my special education friends in the room, all the different disabilities you can have, right? We're going to put the earmuffs on and you're going to feel what it feels like to not, to not be able to hear or a blindfold on and have to do a task as if you were blind. And when we started to research, we found that there is new research that shows that those are actually, that's a detrimental practice. So if you're doing that, 
talk to your students, do the research, uh, and maybe phase that out. Because what it, they found is that it does two things. It creates pity for people with disabilities instead of empowerment. And the second is it creates fear in students because they fear that they may end up with one of these disabilities by participating in the simulation. I didn't know that. I thought it was a great idea. I had seen it done in the past. The kids were excited to do it. But I came to them and I said, students, we have a problem. We can't do this. This is why. And so they came up with this idea of having a podcast. And so we reached out to people who had disabilities. Some you could see, some you could not see. Some that they were born with and some that um, came on later in life, maybe through an accident. And then we um, decided that we were going to interview them for a podcast. And then the students worked behind the scenes to, um, to learn about what do you need to do for a podcast. How do you, you know, how do you work the equipment? Uh, who's going to be in charge of making sure it stays quiet on the set? Who's going to greet the guests when they show up? Uh, who's going to write the interview questions? Who's going to prep the interviewers in the green room? There were so many different roles to play, even if you weren't the one sitting doing the interview. Uh, we produced the podcast. It lives on Spotify, Apple Play. If you wanted to look it up, National School District Student Roundtable, Reducing Inequalities. Another one was an Amazon challenge. If you read all those emails that come through to you, if you kind of scan them, you might find something that relates to something you're trying to promote with the Sustainable Development Goals. So I, read, I saw this thing from a company called SuitUp, and they wanted to get students to come and work alongside Amazon executives to solve a problem, a social justice problem. And I said, um, count me in. But it was just for middle school and high school. And I said, well, I have sixth graders. And in some school districts, middle, sixth grade is in middle school. So can we come? And they said, yes. So in Irvine, we put the kids on the bus. We went up to Irvine. And my students competed in a challenge uh, that Amazon said, we have Amazon Web Services. We want to create a new app that solves a problem in the community. And each of the different student groups had to sit with Amazon executives, design a solution to something like gun violence, homelessness, food insecurity. And then they had to uh, create the app, how it would work, create the budget. And then they had to pitch to high-level Amazon executives. And one of, my student, I mean, one of my student groups, I'm happy to say, was the winner of the challenge and beat out the high school kids. So we were so fired up. And all of my students like, said, you know, I felt so proud to be there that even though my group didn't win, I feel like a winner. And the Amazon executive said things in front of the kids like, you know what? We think we could actually implement this. And so the winning um, app was taking all the food that restaurants throw away, creating an app to connect it with people who need food. And so you would know where in your community that food was going to be available on any given day. And they did a great job pitching that. Um, and it actually was going to be a moneymaker for Amazon. And so if you ever see that, you'll know that it was done by national school district students. And then finally, um, I mentioned on the first slide that we had the partnership for where they went to the National City Chamber of Commerce, a real uh, authentic audience. An authentic audience is so important for student voice. Students need to know that their ideas are going somewhere. They're, not, they're so much more engaged when they're producing for an audience, not just for an assignment that goes in a grade book that goes on a report card. So that's been something that we always try to think through as we're developing our different programs. And of course, um, the, how I prepared the students for that day is 
Uh, I meet with them monthly, and each time we talk about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So we decided to focus on two goals for each of our meetings, and they would do the research and, and delve into them. And then they had to think about a way they could start a campaign at their school of what things they could do at their schools that would uh, be, like, they could teach people about, um, for example, um, affordable and sustainable energy, right? And so they would say something like, um, turn off the lights when not in use, and that would be a tip. Or good health and well-being, uh, drink more water, or responsible consumption and production, uh, don't bring a plastic water, fill up the, at the hydration station with a reusable water um, uh, jug. So they would go back, they would have to make an appointment with their principals. I didn't... I didn't uh, I didn't have them just do it and go back to school and hang up these posters. It had to be in conjunction with the leadership at the school because we want these things to become systemic. So you ha the students were then leading the principal, remember? Principals can't say no when the students are doing it. Um, the principal would talk through their ideas. They had to have uh, five ideas for each. The principal picked three ideas, and then they would be able to write with the Sharpie on these little mini poster cards and then work with the principal to hang them up either next to the hydration station or on the nurse's door or next to the light switch in the classroom. And they would go around and hang up these mini posters. And each time we did two, and they produced three or four of these different tips hanging around the school. So you can imagine how this grew throughout the year. So at the Chamber of Commerce, I told them, you're going to be the principal now. You're going to each sit in table groups. You're going to be assigned two of the goals that we worked on this year. You're going to help the businesses think of things that they can do in their, in their own companies to be more sustainable. And if they can't think of them, you're going to help them come up with ideas because you've already done this. And then you get to select their best three, and then you can let them use the Sharpie and so sometimes the business owners would say, well, could you write it for me? So they got to take it actually in kid handwriting. Um, and then at the end of their session, we rotated groups. At the end of the session with each of the groups, the business owners got to put their tips that the students helped them with into their folder. And then they walked out of there with a collection of mini poster cards that they could go and then hang up in their business. And so that was held on Earth Day this year. Um, and it's amazing, kids will show up on a Saturday, which Earth Day was this year, when it's something meaningful and important to them. And then the piece de resistance of this year was something that came my way. The more you start to talk about and share the things that you're doing around um, these, this type of education, human rights education, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, opportunities will start to find you. And again, remember I told you, you can... Um, email me, get my email. If you have an idea for a project, my students want to work on it with you. San Diego State University reached out to me at the beginning of last year, and they said, our students want to do a collaboration with your students. So if you're high school, you can collaborate with elementary. If you're college, you can collaborate with elementary. Um, if you're a business owner, you can collaborate with elementary age students. Um, they said, we have this idea for um, something called Earth Hop, and it's environmental... Oh. I know I'm going to butcher it. Environmental Action Resource Team Hip Hop. And the idea behind it was um, the students were going to work with uh, students from the science department at San Diego State University, many of them learning about sustainability. And those students were going to come and reinforce some sustainable uh, topics with our students. 
The students were then going to take research notes and put together a list of something that they felt were the most important takeaways from that learning. The next time the mentors came from San Diego State, they brought the English department. And they said, let's just start to pick out key words uh, that you learn from your research. So they took the research, they picked out key words, they put it together in these um, big posters. And then they started to put them together and they learned about slant rhymes and um, you know, different how to put poetry together. And then that poetry, how to turn that poetry into song lyrics. And then the next time they came, and we actually had to put a couple more uh, sessions in, they brought the music department, and they brought their instruments, and they showed how music comes together. Every one of our students got an iPad. We, we said, oh, take it home, play with it, and we'll uh, teach you a little bit about GarageBand. They became experts in GarageBand on their own so that they could come in and make sure that they were ready to produce their music. And then finally, the art department came in, and they had to create art that matched their songs so that they could um, load it up onto an album. And then they produced their music together with the help of their San Diego men uh, state mentors. Um, they could work individually. We had 10 songs total. Uh, some of them worked individually, some of them worked in pairs, some worked in groups of three, and we even had a group of five work together uh, to produce some of this hip-hop. So I'm going to show you a little video of kind of like what that whole thing looked like. And the music behind the track that you're going to be watching is the hip-hop album uh, samples that the students created. Ocean's full of life and beauty, but pollution ruining its duty. Keep our ocean clean, clean, clean. So I know, I want to clap for them too. And for my music people in the room, I know we have some music people, Dan, over there in the corner. Uh, I'm not sure it was all hip hop in the end, but it's all lived together in this hip hop album. And we are planning to repeat the same project with new students next year because we want our students to have, again, the repeated engagement, different types of engagement. Maybe you don't want to, uh, maybe like working at uh, um, the ocean is not your passion, but working with music is. Or maybe you want to do more agricultural, or maybe you want to do something that's more um, standing on a stage and doing a TED Talk about being a human rights defender. Whatever it is, we need to find opportunities and ways for students to engage in this type of work because the students need to do this for, their, for themselves, for their school, for their district, for their community for the world, and for their future. And we can help them do that. But thank you very much for engaging me and sharing about the National School District.